Welcome to Madison Story Slam. It's me, your host, Adam, here, bringing you three great stories from our last Story Slam, which was on May 19th, 2018. The theme was redemption, and it was just a really great night. It was the final Story Slam of our regular season. We typically end in May. But we've got some news about that on this episode. We'll get to that later. But yeah, it was such a great time. We ended with a great story from Frandu that you'll hear on a later episode. Maybe you're asking yourself, why are there only three stories on this episode of Story Slam? Well, that's because we take the summers off. We're not doing the live events. And so we need to conserve the stories we have so that we can have enough episodes to last us through the summer. And also during the summer months, you might just see fewer episodes coming out, maybe not every single week. And that's because I'm busy during the summer. Like all of you, I have summer plans. I have events to go to, things like that. But don't worry, we will still be semi-regular with our episodes and we're going to you know, cut the stories back to maybe three uh, on each episode just so that we have enough to give you an episode as frequently as we can because that is important. Consistency is important, they tell me. But on to the news about maybe doing story slams in the summer. This coming Sunday, if you're hearing this on the week that it comes out uh, in June, this is going to come out on June 7th, Sunday, June 10th in Madison, Wisconsin at Rabinia Courtyard, we are teaming up with Madison Tap to bring you the very first summer Story Slam from Madison Story Slam. Again, that's at Rabinia Courtyard, 829 East Washington Avenue in Madison, Wisconsin. And we cannot wait. We have always wanted to do an outdoor story slam during the summer. And they reached out and they wanted us to come do it. And we are just, let me tell you, we're so excited. I know the regulars are excited. We've got some of our regular storytellers who have already signed up. Some new storytellers who have signed up. It's going to be a great night. Again, Robinia Courtyard teaming up with Madison Tap. Starts at 7 on Sunday, June 10th. So come early, get some food, get some drinks. We're going to have a great time. You'll be there. I'll be there. And uh, we're going to hear some great stories. Hey, on this episode of Story Slam, we have some great stories uh, by Shauna Youngdahl, Kelsey Pedersen, Ty Hitzman, who is telling his first story at a Story Slam ever. So make sure you listen to his story because it's really great. They're all great, let me tell you. Uh, Man, every time I say something like that, I remind myself of Trump. All right, enough babbling. Here's Shauna. Yeah, in all honesty, that's the themes of every single story that I do up here. And to all of our lives, let's fuck it to everything. But to start things off. So when I was in college, um, specifically community college, uh, because I did that thing where I'm just like, I'm not ready for the real real world. If I went to the four-year thing, I'm just going to do all the bad stuff and then drop out and be a million dollars in debt like all of my friends did. And I'm just like, I'll make one good decision in my life and just go to community college, mainly because my mom works there and I got in for free. But that's a whole other story. So when I went to community college, I, um, in my second year, I joined the collegiate speech team. And it 
thus far has been probably the best decision of my life because up until then, all through high school and my first year of college, I was just a shit show. And I was probably going to be in college forever or just even not do anything with my life. And speech team actually legitimately like saved me. Um, so when I joined the speech team, it was something that I automatically, right away, immediately knew that this was something that you know I can expend my energy on, expend my creativity on. I loved the community. I loved the activity. I loved the freedom to be able to create your own um, speeches and works, and also to be able to take other people's works of art, perform them at tournaments, compete against fellow people, and just share this awesome art with other people and to get to know people through this this activity as well. Now on my first year of the team is when I really got to know what the whole logistics of everything was. So speech in this tournament, in this activity, there's kind of like two components that I kind of mentioned already. There's the um, format where you can take already scripted material and then perform it, it's kind of, um, uh, not necessarily uh, improvised or anything, but you perform it for other people like prose material. But for the majority of stuff like public address speeches, you construct your own speeches. So you do the research, you do the organization, you find your own topics, you find your own research, and you mold that frickin' speech until your little speech baby and you take that out to tournaments and you perform it to your heart's content. Really, these speeches are supposed to be a little part of you, and then you take it to these tournaments, and then you perform it, you do everything that you can to make it the best of yourself. You're sharing a piece of yourself with this community. Now, when I was working on my pieces, I didn't really know what I was doing for the most part, so of course I had to learn what I was doing working with coaches and other people who were a part of the team, and so there was a lot of advice and suggestions being thrown my way, but still, I wanted these speeches to be all from me, from my heart. I wanted these to be a reflection of who I am. Because I always think, no matter what you do in this life, whether it's, you know, talking and sharing stories, whether it's going out and living your own life, it should always be based on your decisions. But as my first year went on and I was trying to figure out how to write my speeches, how to perform them, I was noticing that a lot of the time my decisions were being shut down by a lot of the people I was working with. So any suggestions that I had on speeches that I thought were going to be like my pieces of art, things that I spent so long and so much hard work and effort and time working on, Anything that I would be working on was taken away from people who were, had an upper hand and upper say in everything. So it's like pieces of me were being taken out of something that I ultimately had to put my name on and compete with and share with the world. And it was a very strange feeling going out and competing with these pieces because these weren't my words. I didn't understand these emotions. I didn't understand what the humor was in some of these pieces. One of the um, speeches I had to perform was something called an after-dinner speech, which is a persuasive speech with humor. And one of my coaches said, you should be making AARP jokes. And I'm a 23-year-old, and I'm like, I don't even know what AARP is right now. And so I'm just doing stuff for people who aren't myself. And so speeches that were about me and from my heart in the beginning of the year turned into and molded into this weird little like monster that wasn't a creation of me. It was a creation from all of these other people. And even though I was taking, out these, taking them out to tournaments and I was personally doing successfully, I was not enjoying myself. 
And I wasn't having fun, and I wasn't getting the most out of these tournaments, most out of this activity that I knew I could be getting. And I ended up actually hated competing. I hated this activity that I knew I was going to love. And so, at the national tournament, something that we took so long and so much time and effort to train for, all of my coaches said, you're gonna be ready, you're already set to be a national qualifier in all of these events, all your AARP jokes are gonna hit, everyone's gonna love them, and you're just gonna succeed and win everything. I was put on this high rung, I was expected to succeed in every single event that I was placed in. So we traveled to New York, I had all of my events that, you know, I was comfortable with performing, but none of these were from me. I performed in them, and I didn't place in a single event. I didn't place in semis, in quarters, and definitely not in finals. It was a very upsetting, disheartening, and just heartbreaking feeling for me. And I don't mean it to make it sound like, oh, I should have freaking won, I should have, you know, like I'm an amazing performer, I put my heart and soul into this. When my coach came in and told me that my name wasn't on any of the events, I wasn't really surprised, I was heartbroken, and I told him, I'm just like, I just need to leave. So I went to the nearest bar and I had a single Bud Light. <laughs> and I sat there and I just looked at a little bowl of peanuts that was displayed in front of me, and I told myself, next year is my year. None of these speeches that I performed, even though I enjoyed some of them, none of these speeches that I performed were me. And I'm not going to be living my life, I'm not going to be doing this activity when it's not 100% me. I'm not going to be living my life based on someone else's terms. And I know that I'm talking just in terms of speech right now, but I honestly think and I like to apply things in the grander, grander scheme, we should apply this to our lives. We all go through some shit in our lives and we go to our friends and colleagues and family for advice, but if someone's telling you something that you don't agree with and maybe they're pressing it onto you, you don't fucking have to listen to them. You can go to the nearest bar and have a single Bud Light and say, fuck that person. I'm gonna do what I wanna do because I know what's best for me. So that entire summer, I did my own research. I did my own organization of the speeches that I wanted to do. I put every fucking thing together myself. And when school started, I worked with the people that I, wa I worked with, but I heeded their advice when I wanted to. But when people started pressing on me, I, I allowed them to speak until I put my finger in their face. Metaphorically, I wasn't a bitch. But all throughout the tournament season, it was just me. And I had never enjoyed that activity more than that year that I performed everything that was written, organized, researched, and done under my intentions. And so the national tournament came up. I had five events. And the national tournament isn't just some like, oh, national tournament. It is a, it's a national fucking tournament, guys. Jesus, I'm peeing my pants thinking about it. And when I was in fifth grade. National tournament comes up. I take everything out to it. I nationally qualified in every single event. 
We also went to another national tournament that was higher than the division that I, than we competed in. Out of 80 schools nationwide, I was the second individual in the speech that I had got dumped on the first year and wrote from the ground up. So I was the number two person. This bitch beat me out. It was a faulty speech. I, I need that judge's address, but <laughs> it's only eight years later. I'm still working on it. So I won all of these events, I won all of these titles and stuff, but it isn't all the medals and the plaques and the glory, it's just the fact that I stuck to my guns and I wanted to go out there and enjoy this activity because it's my words, this is my, this is, this is who I am, I am performing all of these speeches, all of these, all of these emotions, all of this humor, this is just, this is who I am, I am presenting 100% me to the world. And that's also what we do with these stories, is why I love coming here so much, why I love doing this so much, is that you are seeing 100% of the person up here. And that's how it always should be, is that you should always be 100% who you are, making your own damn decisions. Don't let other people speak for you. Live the life you love, and love the life you live. And go out there and get your own damn medals. Thanks. Thank you, Shauna. Our next storyteller has told a few stories here at Story Slam before, but the very first time she did, I announced her name as Peterson. And, and then she got on the microphone and said, it's Pedersen, like the pedophile. <laughs> Please put your hands together for Kelsey Pedersen. Hi. So um, I definitely agree with Shauna. There is some redemption in this story, but I think uh, we can take that theme a little bit further and just say fuck it. Um, so I have a little bit of a history of uh, puking at really inconvenient times. Um, and it's easy to kind of hear that and assume that like I'm probably just wasted. But like, honestly, I just went through a phase where I was just puking all the time for no reason. Like, mostly my birth control, I think, but like, I was just puking a lot. Um, like one time, my, my grandmother, I was in my dad's kitchen, and um, she was like, oh, Kelsey, how was your night? Did you have fun? And I said, yeah, you know, like into the kitchen sink, um, and then just continued the conversation. Um, one time I was on a Madison Metro bus, um, sitting across from some door-to-door -door Mormons, and I, uh, I threw up in my purse while like locked eyes with them. So I just puke at very inconvenient times. So this is a story about the most inconvenient time I've ever puked. Um, I, hopefully some of you have been to a Brewer game and you kind of understand how that whole situation works. This was a Brewer bus trip with the company that I worked for, which like you should never do that. You should not go to a Brewer game in a professional situation. Um, I, for some reason, was very concerned um, that what I was packing to drink on this bus trip and tailgating was not going to be enough. So we went all out. Um, it was just, um, we were just packing for my now husband and I, and we packed um, a two liter bottle of squirt that we had turned into a giant old fashioned. Uh, we were born and bred Wisconsin, obviously. Um, we also brought a bottle of cow pie, uh, which is a chocolate caramel liqueur. Um, so like a milky liquid on top of that old-fashioned, uh, delicious. And then just in case we ran out of all of that and were thirsty for some water, we brought Spotted Cow. So we had a 
a ton of stuff. We get on the hour and a half bus ride to the Brewer game. We have drank the entire Old Fashioned. We have drank the entire bottle of cow pie. And we're, we're well on our way on these spotted cows as well. So we get into the game. You, you know, traipse through. Finally, we started, we stopped tailgating around the third inning and decided, okay, like, I guess we'll go in now. Um, they give you the little gift that for some reason, you always get like some swag at Brewer Games, so the swag for the game that we were at was those little bullshit drawstring backpacks that nobody ever uses. Um, so we got some of those. We get into the game, we get to our seats, we sit down. Um, my husband and some other husband are like, we're gonna go get Long Island iced teas. And I'm like, okay, bye. Um, the second they leave, I'm like, oh shoot, I gotta pee. Um, so I'm gonna get up to go to the bathroom. All of my coworkers slash friends say, oh, like, let us go with you. They know that I'm like very wasted at this point, right? Um, and I, a character flaw of mine is that I'm violently independent. So I'm like, no, I am going. I can find a bathroom on my own. So I get up and I walk, 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 and I'm not seeing a bathroom, and I walk, 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 and I'm not seeing a bathroom, and finally I, I get to one, and I go into the bathroom and sit down, go to the bathroom. Sorry for the graphicness here, but I pee, and um, <laughs> while I'm peeing, I'm like, shit, I gotta throw up. Um, so I'm like, oh, uh, this is manageable. I just scoot back and shoot for the triangle. Uh, the problem with the triangle is that it's not huge, and um, I panic immediately because I'm getting puke all over my vagina. So I have to make a split-second decision. Where else can I puke? I don't want to puke on the floor, because that's gross. And um, I, I look left, and I see feet in those stall. I look right, I see feet in that stall. And I'm like, well, I can't, like, I don't want to get puke on anyone else. So I just shift forward and puke inside of my pants. So I've now thrown up in my pants. I'm at a work brewer game. There's nothing I can do but clean it out. And there's no way I can clean it out without using the toilet water. So I just have to clean out my pants with toilet water. And I'm talking, I'm trying to talk myself through this the whole time. And I'm like, okay, Kelsey, just like, let's, uh, let's flush that toilet water. Okay, and grab some more toilet paper and let's just, okay, scoop, scoop, scoop. Okay, put this in here. All right. Um, my phone is starting to blow up because now my husband is concerned because I'm missing. And he's texting me and he's like, where are you? Where are you? Where are you? Hey, I'm getting concerned. Are you hurt? Are you okay? Are you alive? I'm gonna go to the police soon. Please tell me where you are. He finally calls me and says, where are you? I'm like, well, I'm in the bathroom. I'm almost done, just give me a minute. Um, but I'm gonna need you to meet me, though. Um, so he says, okay, get out of the bathroom, let me know what section you're in. So get out of the bathroom. I've finally like, cleaned my pants with toilet water, so now they're soaked. And I get out and um, I tell him I'm in section 227 and he's like, Jesus, Kelsey, that's halfway across the stadium, but okay. Um, <laughs> So, so he comes to get me and I'm like, hey, I puked in my pants. And he's like, oh, you puked on your pants, that's fine. I was like, no. I was sitting down, I was going to the bathroom, I tried to hit the triangle, I panicked, I had puke on my vagina, I puked inside my pants. <laughs> it, 
he's like, okay, looks like you got it cleaned up. Let's go back. And I'm like, nope, I cannot go back there. Call your dad. Call anyone. Someone needs to get us back to Madison. I am never showing my face at that place again. Um, and he's like, well, that's not an option. So um, come up with a better solution. So I get my friend to come and smell my pants um, because I'm like, can you tell me whether or not these smell like puke and whether or not I can go back to this brewer game? She says, I think it's fine, but why don't you just go down to the pro shop and buy some new sweatpants? And I'm like, oh my God, that's a great idea. So I go down to the pro shop. My husband and I proceed to get in an argument about which sweatpants I should buy. He wanted me to buy the black ones because I was wearing a gray crew neck and he didn't want me to buy the gray ones and look like Richard Simmons going back to the party. <laughs> but the problem was the black ones were capris and I was wearing tall black socks. So I just went with the Richard Simmons approach. Um, and we went back to the Brewer game. I'm very clearly now wearing like a sweatsuit that I wasn't wearing before with a giant like Brewer's logo on the thigh. Um, and people at, my coworkers start talking and one of them comes up to me and says, hey, like, it's no big deal, just kind of like everybody knows. I just want you to know, like, don't worry about it. Everybody knows that you shit your pants. <laughs> So herein comes the fuck it slash redemption because I was like, I just need to own this. And as my husband reminded me as I was preparing for this story, I said to him, I'm just going to politician the fuck out of this. And I stood up on a little baby cooler and I was like, ladies and gentlemen, this afternoon I puked in my pants. I, I tried to shoot for the triangle. I got puke on my vagina. I panicked. I shifted forward. I puked in my pants. But I just want you to know I did not shit in my pants. So I think the point is, from now on, and I hope that this is advice you will all take forward into your own lives, always bring an extra pair of pants. <laughs> Thank you, Kelsey. If I had a nickel for every time I puked on my vagina. <laughs> you know, I, I, think, I think we've, we've made history at Story Slam tonight. We've had plenty of people say penis and dick up here. I don't think, so I have heard, I've been doing this for five years. I have heard at least 750 stories while doing this. I don't think I've ever heard a storyteller say vagina up here. <laughs> <laughs> Now it's time to hear about one of our sponsors, Resolution Therapeutic Massage. Resolution is an established massage therapy clinic in downtown Madison, Wisconsin, specializing in custom massages, and their therapeutic approach is ideal for student athletes, traveling professionals, top performers, and anyone who needs their body and mind to be at peak condition. The therapists at Resolution will evaluate your muscle response and select the best technique for your tailored massage. Clients often experience relief from acute pain after one session and relief from chronic pain after three sessions. Packages for ongoing support are available at a discounted rate. Coming up soon, in fact, in July, Resolution will no longer be known as Resolution Therapeutic Massage but as Resolution Health Collaborative. They'll also be moving 
where they're located. Right now, you can find them at 433 West Washington Avenue, but they're moving up the block to 345 West Washington Avenue on the fourth floor. Call 608-443-7048 to schedule your appointment today. And if it's your first time and you mention Madison Story Slam, you're going to get some money off. Let's go back to some stories. All right. Our next storyteller has never told a story here before. So it is his first time. I found our next storyteller because... Does anybody here deal with vanity? Yeah! So, you know, maybe you Google yourself in the private of your own home. In the privates? <laughs> maybe, maybe you Google yourself in your privates. Ah, uh, jeez. I Google all the time Madison Story Slam. Because I like to know what people are saying about us and because I'm vain. I found our next storyteller because on LinkedIn, he made a blog post called 10 Failures... 10 successes and 10 goals. And number eight on his 10 goals is present at Madison Story Slam. And he wrote, talking in front of large audiences with confidence does not come naturally to me. I think a Story Slam would be a good way to improve my public speaking skills. And I think he's right. So for the very first time, to improve his public speaking skills, it takes a lot of guts to be up here, people. Please put your hands together for Ty Hitzman. Thank you, thank you. Give it up for Adam. That was super nice. Give it up for Adam for a minute. Thank you. Never met him. Very nice guy. Um, I'm going to tell a story about how I puked on my cock. <laughs> Just kidding. That would be way better. Just kidding. For, but for real, thank you, Adam. Thank you all for coming. Um, as you can all tell, I am a very gorgeous person. I am incredibly intelligent. I am sneaky athletic. You wouldn't think it, but I can run pretty fast. Personality is 10 out of 10. But I was not always this confident, if I'm being honest. For the longest time, I was incredibly insecure. Uh, to give you some examples to drive this point home, uh, I used to be called Tomato Ty in school. My name's Ty. Um, because my face would turn so red whenever I was called on, it looked like a tomato. Anytime I had to talk, I would st stutter whenever I talked. Uh, and I had a ton of just like body issues. I'll name a couple of the million. Um, skin tone, skin tone. Half my family is either Mexican or Native American. I'm pretty light compared to them. So whenever I go to a family gathering, um, they look like bronze goddesses, um, very gorgeous skin, and I look like a frat bro who went to Florida for spring break and got like a little tan, <laughs> but not like them. Not, that killed me. Also, moles. If you can't see, I have a ton of moles all over face, body, everywhere. You can see, okay, you got, you got the close up. Thanks, Adam, take back what I said. A couple moles really bothered me. I had two on my kneecap, or just above it, and they bothered me so much that I used to wear super long shorts during school so that when I sat pretzel-legged and the shorts came up a little bit, you couldn't see my secret moles. No one would see the moles but me. Also, worse than the, than the knee moles, the neck mole. The neck mole. 
I had a huge protruding neck mole. Like, it had personality. It, it, had, it looked at you. It came off the neck. And you know what I'm talking about? This guy's nodding. <laughs> you know, I, I hear you. I hear you. I was so paranoid about being in the front of a line or sitting in the front of a class and worrying about people looking at the neck mole, talking about the neck mole, taking pictures of the neck mole, talking to the neck mole. So worried about the neck mole. One day, I went home, snuck downstairs, took a steak knife. Yes, ran upstairs, sawed off the neck mole. I sawed it off, it's gone. Blood everywhere. No, I did not hear of laser surgery, that no one told me about that. It would have been a lot less painful, a lot less interesting for a story slam, though. Last thing I'll say is, is my butt, okay? I actually have a really good butt, if you guys can't tell. Very toned. It's very toned. I do squats. But I fucked it up a couple years ago when I got an ass tattoo, okay? That's a very... You too? It's a very tasteful tattoo of a Packer G logo on my butt. I'm from Green Bay, go Pack Go. Had to get the Packer G on my butt. The only reason I bring it up is because it's a disaster in the locker room when I have to change. When I'm changing from people, everyone stares at my ass. And that used to drive me crazy. Not just like a little glance, not a double take, but like stares. I've caught people whispering about my butt, like egging their friend on, like, look at this dude's butt. What's on his butt? It's a Packer G logo. And that drove me crazy. So I didn't like changing in front of people in locker rooms. Should I show them the front instead of the back, like most people would? The front's nothing to be extremely proud of either, for being honest. For being honest. I do all right, ladies, but it's not, I'm not going to be cast for any pornos, okay, I'll say that. You get the point, okay, I had issues I was dealing with for a long time. So I'm going to fast forward a little bit, junior year of college, I'm 11 months in to a 12-month study abroad, and I have one more chance to do a trip. I think it'd be cool to do a trip, to, to get out, travel alone for once. Uh, I'm pretty broke at this point, so I book a flight um, through an airline special where you buy the ticket ahead of time and the airline tells you where you're going. Very cool, I know. Uh, I got sent to Budapest. I found out a couple days before. I was down, I heard they party, I heard they have good goulash. I just needed to find a place to stay. Like I said, I'm a very cheap person in general and I'm broke, so I hostile out hotel out, had no friends there, gone, had to go on couchsurfing.com and find a place. Any couch surfers here? A couple? Okay, wow. For those who don't know, it's like Airbnb except the person's there with you and instead of paying money, you have to deal with their weirdness the whole time <laughs> while you stay with them, right? They're always greasy, mostly gamers, not a lot of social interaction. Sorry, guys, I know. Tip to the couch surfers, hosts out there, take a shower before the guest comes, please. So I booked this guy who seems pretty normal. There's just one line in his profile that kind of gives me a little pause. I read it twice, and it goes something like this. 
I participate in the free lifestyle in the mornings, and I expect my guests to do the same. Okay? I participate in the free lifestyle in the mornings, and I expect my guests to do the same. So he smokes pot, right? He's got to smoke pot or play the banjo or like listen to 70s music. I can deal with all that. Book him. Don't think about it. Meet him. I'm pretty impressed. He's pretty normal. He doesn't game. He doesn't have Cheeto stains on his shirt. His couch is very clean. The couch is away from his room, which is a big plus. I think I dodged a bullet. This trip's going to be awesome. Morning one of three, morning one, I realized very wrong. I was very wrong. And immediately that strikes me when he walks out of his room butt-ass naked. We called it butt-ass naked. Maybe he went to shower and he didn't want to put his clothes on, I thought. Um, that makes sense. Nope, he walks out butt-ass naked from the shower, goes right in front of me, strolls around, sits at the breakfast table, and starts eating his food. Then he looks over at me, sees I'm awake, and says something like, um, Tyler, why are you not naked? And then I freak out inside, mumble something about how I gotta shower first before I get naked, <laughs> be presentable, run to the bathroom, look myself in the mirror, realize two options, don't get naked with this creep in Budapest. <laughs> Breach our terms of agreement that he understood and maybe get thrown out, have to find a place for the next couple days with no money and being cheap. I didn't like that. Second, get naked and bring all this baggage, the, the skin tone thing, the mole thing, the, the butt thing. He'd see my butt tattoo probably. He'd definitely glance at the front. Every guy glances. I don't care what you say. You glance. He would glance. I decide I got to do it. I got to do it. I take off my shirt, take off my pants. Shirt first, not pants first. Any guy who takes off the pants first is a psycho. Shirt first, <laughs> pants for second. Deep breath. Walk outside. Scurry from the bathroom to the breakfast table. Then a weird, hap weird thing happens. We start talking about the weather, what I'm gonna do that day, what sights I should see. I kind of hurry through the conversation, make sure it ends quickly. Then I make it seem like I have a big plan in the city, throw my clothes on, run out the door, come back, go to sleep, wake up morning two, pray that this is just like a prank. Like he's, he's some prankster and he's gonna walk out in clothes and it's gonna be super funny comes out, butt-ass naked again. Seems like he almost takes his time walking around. He makes eggs, and then he puts something in the oven. I think it's muffins. And then he stands in front of the oven for a while, and then he finally comes back and looks at me, like, Tyler, why are you not naked? And then I run to the bathroom, take off the clothes, shirt, then pants. I know the drill now. Run back to the table. When you're at the table, and the table's long enough, you can't see the junk, so it's a little less disarming there. So you gotta get to the table quickly. I got there, and by now I kind of have a little more courage, and I ask, like, why the naked thing? Like, why do you gotta, why, what, what's this about? 
he explains that he likes the feeling of walking around naked, especially the warmth of the oven on his genitals. I tried it after that. It is kind of nice. I, try it. Give it a shot. Give it a shot. It's kind of nice. Now I knew. We rushed through the conversation. I leave. I go do my thing. I come back. Morning three of three. I'm ready. It's not a prank. I know what I have to do. It's my last day in Budapest. It's my last trip in, in the study abroad thing. I'm going to own it, okay? So I stroll to the bathroom, drop him, walk out, take my time, okay? I'm looking around his posters like this is a museum, like I'm studying everything. I'm, waltzing, I'm taking him the long way to the breakfast table. And then I sit down, we talk, he goes off to his room, and then I'm alone naked instead of rushing to my clothes and putting them back on and then going about my day. I kind of just walk around the room a little more. I stand sort of spread eagle like this and just take it in that he doesn't give a shit about all my moles and my skin and, and my butt tattoo. I don't give a shit about his hairy body, about his front, about his back, all the stuff he had weird going on. And, and that was okay. And I stood there and I finally realized that it took me over 20 years, 11 months abroad, three months with a nudist in Budapest, but I finally figured that out and I'm glad I did. Thank you. Well, I hope you enjoyed those three wonderful stories by Shauna, Kelsey, and Ty. I know I did, and uh, I am so looking forward to everything that is in store for our community together. I know there's a lot. There's a lot coming. We're going to get bigger and better in the 2018-2019 season. Uh, We will be back with that regular season in August at the Wilmar Center. But to tide you over, if you want to come out on Sunday, June 10th to Rabinia Courtyard at 829 East Washington Avenue in Madison, Wisconsin, we are teaming up with Madison Tap to bring the very first Madison Story Slam Summer Outdoor Story Slam. That was a lot of words. The theme is thank you for your service, so come tell stories based on that theme. It's going to be a lot of fun. Check us out on Facebook to find more details about that. Also, leave us a rating and a review on iTunes or Apple Podcast app. That helps a ton. And check out our sister podcast, which is Read It and Weep Show, if you want to hear people reading the old things that they wrote when they were young, before they graduated high school. It's tons of fun. You'll love it if you like this one. And as always, I love you.